guilty before God. Well, that's been the subject of our time in the early chapters of Romans. As we continue on, we begin to ask the question, how can a sinner ever be right with God? We have a marvelous answer, as we'll see as we continue our look at Romans next on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Welcome to the program. We're in Romans chapter 3 today, looking at verses 21 through 26. How can a sinner ever be right with God? Well, we have a three-part series we're bringing your way starting today. So join us. Again, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. We'll answer that question for you as if this past weekend didn't do it for us, right? Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Let me tell you why I'm biased towards Romans. Number one, most Christians don't know the book. That's one. But two, when I was in college, my second year of college in 1965, uh, I took the book of Romans at a Bible college. I never heard anything like it in my life. For up to that time, I had never heard the word justification. Never in my life had anyone explained it. Up to that time, I had never heard of the word propitiation. I never heard of the doctrine of election. Uh, I never knew what adoption was. I knew none of the theological terms that are the foundational pillars of the New Testament doctrine of salvation. I knew none of that. I knew about prayer meetings. I knew about tithing. I knew about being faithful. I knew about the Holy Ghost. Uh, I knew about Holy Ghost revivals. And I was in those circles and truly saved and truly loved those people and, and the people of God. But in my circles, I never heard this stuff. I just never heard it. We were more on the experiential side of Christianity. And quite frankly, I loved it. But I found out there was another side. There was a side of these great truths. Well, I took that 65. I loved it. It was wonderful. Went ahead and graduated from college, 67. Uh, but I started teaching at a small Pentecostal school in 66 while I was finishing my senior year. And uh, in my second year there, I started teaching the book of Romans. I was only 23. And as I was teaching this book of Romans, uh, it turned me every way but loose. For as I started to teach the book, I did not believe that God chooses people. Who does he think he is? You can't just be choosing people. I'm free. Don't tell me about the election. I hate the doctrine. That's the way I grew up. Didn't have any use for it. Two, don't tell me you can't lose it. I'm running with folks that lose it every six months. We have a lot, about three revivals a year and hope we can keep, we hope who we don't reach for God knew we're at least getting half the backsliders right. So we're always working on those who said they were saved, gone back, come back, go back, boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden I'm hearing this stuff that when God saves someone, he does 
not lose them. But if you save yourself, you can lose yourself. Well, I'm in a dilemma because I'm in a denominational setting of born-again people that do not believe that. And so we were always living in this tension, we may lose it. And don't commit a sin on the way home from work because if you die and you go before God, he can't let you in because we would sing, sin can never enter there. And I thought, oh, man, I'm scared to death. Well, Romans turned me around. Not John Calvin, not J. Vernon McGee, Romans. Romans. I grew up thinking that uh, you needed to talk in tongues to be filled with the Spirit. I was a tongue talker. I loved it. It's wonderful. I'm threatening to go back any moment. I love the emotion of Pentecostal people. I'm one of them in heart. If you don't like Pentecostals, that's your problem. They're part of my relatives. They're part of the family of God. We love them. But I came to see that I had the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8, the moment I put faith in Christ, and I didn't have to be in a tarrying service to get it. He came in lock, stock, and barrel the moment he saved me. I was not taught that. I was taught you had to tarry for the Holy Ghost. You had to tarry. Um, And there's about 15 other areas I was so mixed up in. That Romans turned me inside out. You see, there's some guys, I'm just saying this, uh, you can excise this from the state. This is just tell you why I'm biased about Romans. Some guys, all they do all their life is preach sermons. They never learn any theology. Studying the Bible has never changed one thing about what they think or believe. The Bible for me, as I was in seminary and college, I'm over here a staunch Pentecostal Arminian, and I said, I won't believe anything of the institutions I'm going to. I just want to get my bachelor's, my ambassadors, and don't let them change my thinking because I'm not biased. I'm not, I'm not, and I'll never be like these people. I just won't. And studying Romans as a dean of a small school led to my exit from those precious people as an ordained preacher and led me to rent a dance hall in Pinole. And all I wanted to do was teach the doctrines I could not teach in those circles. And so all I talked about the first three years of Valley was God chooses, God chooses, God chooses. God keeps, God keeps, God keeps. The Holy Spirit's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. And guess what? 37 years later, I still want to talk about those things. And we're going to look at Romans 3, the most concise. If you don't understand Romans 3, 21 through 27, you don't understand salvation. You don't understand it biblically. Yes, people, are you saved? Well, I think I am. I, I had a feeling. I had a dream. I had a vision. I had a, Tell me, are you saved by Romans 3? Three chapters he has spent after the introduction saying we are condemned. We are guilty. We are seen as thoroughbred sinners before God. Three chapters. He's just on and on. But notice verse 21. But now, 
I mean, you ought to hear the hinge door just swinging right there. He's just going to swing to another. I'm going to move from you being condemned. I want to start telling you how you can be just before God. I'm going to move from your guilt to now I'm going to move to your forgiveness. I'm going to move to how bad God found you to what God offers to make you in Christ. So this is a major hinge, and he's now going to begin to explain what we get in salvation. And he'll do that through chapter 5. Then chapter 6 to 8, he's going to explain how God makes you holy as a believer. But first of all, he wants to show you how can the condemned and the guilty ever be right before a holy God? How is it possible? Let us look at the text. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and are presently falling short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a propitiation, and they've translated it sacrifice of atonement, and that's okay, but the original word was propitiation. Through faith in his blood, he did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. There's five things we want to gain from this. I'm staggering from all the works I've been reading. It is so profound. I feel like I'm using a water gun to try to put out a fire in Northern California woods. It is so massive. Five things I want to underscore that I think he says about salvation. No one is ever saved by keeping the law, number one. Two, all who are saved are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Three, all who are saved must admit they're sinners. They have to see themselves as sinners. Fourthly, this gift of salvation is a gracious work of God. It's out of grace. It's not anything any of us could ever earn or merit. And finally, the only way God could do this is because of the cross work of Christ. And there will be three things we want to see that the cross work did. It was the purchase price for the guilty. Two, it was the satisfactory payment to God for the guilty. And three, it was the necessary thing God had to do to prove he was just in showing grace to guilty men. 
because justification is a courtroom forensic dealing with God. How can the judge let the guilty go free and still remain just? That is the tension. That is the tension. Uh, it's rather straightforward. Let us start the journey. God offers a righteousness to the guilty, and he's been saying that for three chapters, that we're guilty. That he says, first of all, I want you to know that now God is offering a righteousness, but it is not going to be by means of law-keeping. The law is not an enemy to this divine method, for the law, under it, every time a lamb was slain, Every time a sacrifice was given, the law could witness and testify. The people at their best fail. The people at their best never measure up to the divine mandates. And it's the slain lamb. It keeps witnessing that God's ultimate way of saving will be through a lamb. God's ultimate method of saving will be through a substitute. He has found no one that has perfectly kept the demands of the law. So he says, the law is not an enemy of God's righteousness. It witnesses to it, but it is not the way you can be right with God. And it is amazing how much legalism you find in Christianity. How much sense of by my doing, by my keeping not only the law, but the standards we invent even as Christians, uh, dress codes, uh, what you can eat, what you cannot eat, uh, what you can wear, what you cannot wear, all of the stuff that may be good in motive at times, but it begins to leave this feeling, it's what I've got to do to find acceptance with God. And that is the lethal arsenic poison of it. We must not with anyone confuse acceptance with God based upon anything good we can do, no matter what it is, which may be good in of itself, but the moment you give it a value, this gains me status with God. Even a good thing loses its efficacy. So he tells them, Know this, the prophets have witnessed to this. They know that this is God's method, but you'll never be right with God by keeping rules, even if it's the law. Second thing he'd want them to know, you accept it with God through faith alone in Christ. Look at this, verse 22. This righteousness from God comes through faith, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. A righteousness from God is given to every man or woman, boy or girl, who simply exercises faith towards Christ. What is it that saves? Is it faith that saves? Faith can never save Faith in faith cannot save you. Faith in faith. Just say, just believe and you'll be saved. That's not true. Just believe it with all your heart. What's that? 
that the moon's made out of cheese. If you just believe it, your dreams will come true. That makes a good Disney film, but it's lousy theology. Just believe it, and it's true, mind over matter. There's two parts to faith. The subjective part, me, and the object I put my faith in. Faith in Jesus Christ as a good example, by the way, would not save you. Did you know that? If you said, I'm counting on the fact that if I keep the Sermon on the Mount and I have faith in Christ as a great teacher, I am going to trust him as my example. Did you know that will not save you? It's faith in Christ, but not faith in the right act. I'm going to believe in Christ so I can do his miracles. Won't save you. And you might drown yourself in the bay as you try to walk on water. Be careful which one you want to try to do. And you might wind up like the guy in Acts trying to cast out the demons. And he beat, it, beat the guy up and drove him out of the synagogue naked because he said, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? Better be careful when you're handling demons. You better be sure God's in it. Faith that saves is like the hand of a drowning man saying, I'm drowning. I have faith that you, lifeguard, can save me. I've got that faith. But unless that hand reaches another hand, you won't be saved. Faith in faith doesn't save. It's faith in a delivering God, Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ alone saves, not just faith. Remember the object of your faith is what saves you because your faith is never that great anyway. It's as small as a mustard seed. You get to bragging on how much faith you have. Jesus said if you've only got some as small as a mustard seed, which he was saying it's the quality of it, not the size of it. Saving faith, what saves you, is I put my trust in the right object. And Jesus saves, not faith saves, but you must put faith in him who can save. So it's faith in Jesus Christ. The object of our faith. Even a thief on a cross can get to heaven if he puts his faith in the right person. Even a scared jailer at midnight hour when the, when the jail cells begin to be empty and the prisoners begin to flee and he fears for his life, and all of a sudden he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I hear Paul, a great sinner, saying in Philippians, I must trust in him to get a righteousness I could not get under the law. And John Bunyan, the great author of Pilgrim's Progress, he said, as he became overwhelmed with his sinfulness and his guilt before God, he was praying and even walking through a cornfield one evening, and he was just pondering his lostness. All of a sudden, Philippians 3.9 echoed through his soul, and be found in him having a righteousness not my own, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And he clung to Philippians 3.9, and God saved John Bunyan because he said, I must trust the righteousness of another. 
Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves. Not faith in the church, not faith in creeds, not faith in he was a good man, a nice man, a baby. It's faith in what Christ is said to have done, and he goes on to explain what he did. Faith in the cross work of Christ. Faith in what he accomplished on the cross. He's saying that you cannot be saved until you have a thorough dose of guilt. For we have all sinned, and we are all falling short of the glory of God. Now, in Greek, this is interesting. Sinned is a past tense. It's an aorist tense. We all sinned in the past. Some make it all the way to Adam. Some just say, you've got a history of sin. God finds you as a sinner. That's your past. But the great measure of a sinner is what he's doing at the present. And it's a present tense. And he finds you falling continuously short of the glory of God. There's the bigger problem. Not that you sin, but that you give absolutely no glory to your Creator. Romans 1 said that the race says we're not, we don't acknowledge God, we don't thank God, and we insult God by saying, I had rather worship something that I make with my own hands than to worship you who made me. Take that, God. Idolatry is the biggest slap in the face of God. I had rather bow and give my allegiance to an animal or to vegetation or some four-footed beast, that Roman says, than to bow before my creator. So God said, you mean you won't give me any acknowledgement? You won't even acknowledge that I exist, that I'm good, that I'm beneficial. You, you won't. He said, I will not. And the worst thing that God found about you and I when he saved us, he found a person that was bringing him no glory. He saved people who despised his laws, despised his son through rejection, despised wanting to do things God's way. And he says, I have found you all guilty. You have sinned. I have that on you. And in the present, this word glory, sometimes in its literal meaning, we get the word doxa, doxology. It meant to give a good opinion of. We fall short of giving God a good opinion. And with that, we put the finishing touches on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Well, today's broadcast is taken from a greater set out of the book of Romans. And today, our focus has been specifically on this wonderful part of Romans here in the first couple of chapters. Can a sinner be right with God? And the answer is unequivocally yes. And we're taking a look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about it and how that happens. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, copies are available, or simply ask for the entire three-CD set, How Can a Sinner Ever Be Right with God? Call us today at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. 
or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547. Now, there is another way that you can contact us, and not only contact us, but take advantage of an awful lot of resource materials available for your growth in Christ. And you'll get the chance to learn a bit more about us and who we are and what we believe. It's all found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. And please, at this time, let me extend to you a personal invitation to join us at Valley Bible. Directions and service times are all found at our website, valleybible.org. And when you pay us a visit, would you let one of the ushers know that you were invited by the radio broadcast? That would encourage us a great deal. One other note as we let you go, the broadcast is presented daily and Sundays here on KFAX as TFT sustainers come alongside of us financially and prayerfully as partners, helping us in the support of the broadcast to continue the ministry of Truth For Today here on KFAX. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. You'll also have access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video done by Pastor Phil. For further information, visit valleybible.org or simply call us at 855-833-9864. No gift is too small. In fact, we would rather have 25 folks who are giving 5 or $10 a month as opposed to one big donation. That's not to say we won't take a big donation as well, but again, that's simply to let you know that any and all donations are gratefully appreciated. And 100% of your donation goes back into the ministry here at Truth For Today to ensure that it continues here on KFAX. Please consider that as you call us at 855-833-9864 and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.